Amen. So we're going to get in the Word of God, and if you will, I want you to open your Bibles or your iPhone 2 or Android to 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 47. 1 Samuel 17, 45 to 47. And you can stand for the reading of the Word if you would like. It says this, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the bird of the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by the sword or the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Tonight I would like to speak to you on this thought, speaking to giants. Speaking to giants. And you may be seated. Tonight, if we could all hop into a time machine and set the date to the early 90s, we could take a peek into my life as a child growing up. You could take a quick snippet of that. And you would immediately notice that I faced some serious challenges. I faced some serious challenges. Growing up as a John's was much different than the way other kids grew up. I had a struggle that I just couldn't overcome. No matter what I did, no matter what I tried... I was vertically challenged. There I am. I was vertically challenged. That's a nice way of saying I was a short kid. This comes to no surprise to Atlanta West. You all understand of our family's struggle for height. Pastor John, she measured up at 5'5". Sister John measured up at 4'11". So I've been doomed from the beginning of time to be short. Vertically challenged. There I am. There I am again. You see how it... It just goes down. It always goes into a V or slants at the bottom. I mean, how can they do that? I mean, Brother Brad and my dad is not much taller over there. But really, I had no hope. I, it was not easy to live a life as a short kid. You may understand because you've seen us grow up. But let's just take a minute to think about the struggles that I faced as this vertically challenged individual. I mean, after P.E. here at Atlanta West, just to get some water to hydrate myself after basketball or football, I'd have to go under the water fountain and pour out the short kid steps, right? To step on those and to stand up. I would go to Six Flags, just an exit down, and rejection was inevitable. I remember maybe stuffing some toilet paper in my shoes so I could stand up a little higher just to ride some of the rides at Six Flags. And in every photo, we know exactly where I stand, because short people in front, right? So I would always stand in the front. So these are just a few of the trials that I faced as a child. It was a real struggle. I was challenged. But as some of you, um, but as you know, someone must have known of my struggle because in 1989, Walt Disney came out with a movie that sympathized with me and others who had this challenge. The movie was called "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." And in this film, inventor, dad-slash-mad scientist Wayne Slazinski, he accidentally shrunk his kids and his neighbor's kids to one-fourth of an inch with his electromagnetic shrink ray machines, which sent the kids flying into the backyard. I know some of you parents are saying, where can I get one of those? I want to shrink my kids. I want to make them disappear. Sorry, they're not for sale tonight. 
But for the remainder of the movie, the shrunken kids would fend for their lives, trying to get back to life as they knew it. And I can relate to those tiny kids. I mean, I was one of them. I knew what it was like to be the smallest in the room. I knew what it was like to experience terror, fear for your life when you'd walk into a crowd, hoping people would not stomp you or step on you. I understand because from that perspective, you seem insignificant. You seem like the smallest one in that room because everyone appears to be a giant when you're at a lower level. So you, want, you need to understand this about the children and honey I shrunk the kids. Their biggest problem wasn't that they could not be seen. Their biggest problem was they could not be heard. They simply did not know how to speak to the giants in their life. Giants make you feel insignificant and they silence your voice. If we're honest with ourselves, some of us have felt that way. We felt insignificant. We felt like our voice has been silenced because we feel like there's so many giants in our life that we can't speak up or we can't speak to them because they're so great and so mighty. If you've faced giants before, you know that they're not make-believe, but they are real. I'm not talking about just physical giants, but I'm talking about spiritual giants that can lurk over your life, that they can just loom over you and rule and control your life. Growing up, I had a hard time accepting that the fact that I was short. But over time, I understood that this was something that was never going to change, and I came to grips with this reality. I became okay with that. You know, as Christians, sometimes to a fault, we can be slow to admit that we have some challenges, that we face some giants in our life. Challenges so big that they're seemingly undefeatable, seemingly impossible to understand. But tonight, I feel like the Lord has brought me here to challenge somebody, to call somebody to be honest with yourself and identify the giants that you have in your life. God wants you to address the giant that you have lurking, looming over your life. So when thinking about giants, my mind immediately begins to wonder about these oversized, ugly, human-like beings with one big eye and seven giant toes. But giants, they come in all types of shapes, but only in one giant size. There are giants of temptation and sin, giants of physical illness, giants of financial strain. And the list could go on and on with these giants, but they are the hang-ups. They are mistakes, the obstacles that hinder our growth in Christ. As believers, we're called to move forward. We're called to not stop, but constantly go forward. In Philippians 3.13, Paul says, I press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. But in order to make forward progress, in order to go where Jesus wants us to be, we must address the giants that we have in our life. Giants must be defeated because they stand between where we are and where God wants you to be. Again, giants must be defeated. We must speak to our giants because they stand between where we're at and where God wants us to be. I mean, it's hard to speak to giants, but it is necessary because your success as a Christian, your success as a follower of Jesus Christ depends on your commitment to speak up and to take on your giant. Everyone say with me, speaking to giants. Amen. At the time of our text in 1 Samuel 17, it really wasn't Israel's greatest hours. 
Saul had been king for many years, but just a chapter earlier, he was rejected and the spirit of the Lord departed from him. And as if rejection wasn't enough, Israel was currently facing one of the most fierce enemies that they had ever known, the Philistines. It is said that the Philistines were from the island of Crete. They were seafaring people who had moved to Palestine and settled along the coast. And while the Philistines lived along the coast, the Israelites, they lived in the mountains, clustered up in the mountains. And in the second half of the 11th century, the Philistines began to move east, winding their way up along the floor of the Ella Valley. They were very intentional for doing this. They knew exactly what they were doing because their goal was to go and to split Saul's kingdom in half, to go in the mountain ridge near Bethlehem and split his kingdom in two. The Philistines, they were not to be taken lightly. They were battle-tested, they were dangerous, and they were sworn enemies of Israel. So when Saul heard about the Philistines' move towards them, he gathers his troop and rushes down the mountain to meet the Philistines. So the Philistines are there. They set up camp on one side of the ridge along the southern side of the valley, and the Israelites set up camp on the other, the northern side of the ridge. And this left the two armies looking across this valley, this ravine at each other, and neither army dared to make a move. Neither army wanted to go and make that first attempt. Because to attack meant you'd have to go down the hill, be exposed in the valley, and make a death climb up the other side of the ridge into where the opponent was. And so they were at a standstill. They would not move. And after a standstill, the Philistines were fed up with this. They said, we want to fight. And so they sent their greatest warrior into the valley for a one-on-one battle. Their contender was a massive giant called Goliath. We all have maybe have heard and know the story. But he was at least six foot nine. He was wearing a bronze helmet. He carried um, a javelin. He had a sword, a spear. He was decked out with full armor. And a sidekick, his bodyguard, was there with a giant shield to help him carry all this equipment. So the giant, he faced the Israelites and he stood before them and he shouted, Choose you a man and let him come down to me. If he prevail in battle against me and strike me down, we will be slaves to you. But if I prevail and strike him down, you will be slaves and serve us. And after this giant made this stand, no one in Israel said a word. Nobody spoke. It was silent in the camp because they were terrified. They felt insignificant compared to this giant that was standing in the valley. And this went on for days and days until out of nowhere, a shepherd boy by the name of David stood up and he breaks the silence. David had come from Bethlehem to bring food for his brothers. He was there giving this food to his brothers. And he heard this giant speak out against God in Israel. And David was furious with what he heard. He was upset. Goliath was mocking everything that he stood for, defying Israel, defying God. And he was furious. Goliath was a giant. Yes, David was just a teenager. But that did not stop him from backing down. And it's time for some of us to be fed up with what the devil has done in our life. It's not time to back down. It's not time to be silent. But we need to stand up and speak to the giants of our life. Amen? Amen. We can no longer be silent. We can't pawn it off to our pastoral staff and say, hey, you take care of this giant. No one can speak to your giant except for you. It's time for the church. It's time for individuals to stand up 
and speak to the giants that we have in our life. Amen? Amen. When David asked Saul to fight the giant, Saul said, you're crazy, you're out of your mind, David. You're a scrawny boy, and this giant, he's been fighting since he was a baby. He's been killing since he was a child. You cannot face him. You cannot go against Goliath. But David persisted. He said, hey, I've killed lions and I've killed bears. I can do this. And Saul was out of options. So he said, okay, David, go. You take care of this giant. Just may the Lord be with you. Go down into the giant. Make it happen. So he had no other options. So David went down the hill to meet this giant in the valley. And when David committed to go down the hill that day, it was the beginning of David's greatest days. And I want someone in this service to know tonight that when you commit to speak to your giants, when you commit to face the giants of your life, it will be one of the most famous spiritual battles that you will ever fight. Despite the lies that any may have told you, God does have a plan for your life. God sees you with where you're at. Your greatest days are not behind you, but they are ahead of you. Amen. And God has a plan. He has a desire. Don't give up on what you're doing, but keep on. Keep the faith because God has a plan for your life. Your future depends on your commitment to speak to the giant of your life. So before the fighting began, David and Goliath had a verbal battle. They had this exchange of words. And what David spoke to Goliath was absolutely vital to the victory in the valley that day. We should never forget that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And there's power in your words. Please do not forget that. And the death of your giant, the victory in the valley will be dependent on the words that you speak to your giant. David, that day, he made three significant statements that made all the difference. And it's those things that I want to focus on tonight. I believe that if you follow the boldness, if you follow the pattern, the words of David that he spoke to his giant, victory will be certain over the ones that you face. The first statement that you must make to the giant is, number one, you must declare who is fighting for you. Declare who is fighting for you. 1 Samuel 17 45 says, Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with the sword, with the spear, and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. David said, Goliath, you may have a sharp sword, you may have a piercing spear, and the best shield that money can buy, but your weapons are just, they're nothing, they're insignificant compared to the weapons that are at my expense. My weapon is not like your weapon, my weapon is not like your weapon at all, but I come on behalf of God, on behalf of His name, and behalf of His people. Amen. And David knew that that without God, it was impossible to defeat the giant, so he speaks out and says, who is fighting for him? The reason why so many have fallen before the giant is because we've tried to fight him on our own. I've learned through the school of hard knocks that I am not strong enough, I am not wise enough, wise enough or talented enough to take on the enemy of my own. Second Corinthians 10.4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but Mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. 
Too often we try to fight with our own weapons. We try to figure it out with our own intellect. We try to make things shift and happen on our own. We seek out therapy and counseling, yoga and meditation and everything else imaginable. And I'm not saying that those things are bad. They're helpful in their way. They can be beneficial. But when you go through these avenues first and bypass God, you are underutilizing and you're undermining the power of God. So seek God first. Declare who is fighting for you. The only way that you're going to overcome the giant in your life is if God is your weapon. Amen? We need to speak to our giants and let it know that God Almighty is fighting for us. If you're thankful for God fighting for you, that He can fight on your behalf, let's give a hand clap to the Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being a God who fights for us. Our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through you. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for fighting for us. In Jesus' name, God fights the battle. The second statement that we must make, we must tell the giant that it will die. That it will die. Everyone say, giant, you will die. Listen to the second statement that David spoke to Goliath in the first half of verse 46. It says, this day... The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. David said, today, Goliath, God is going to hand me over to you. Goliath, you think you have me beat. You think you have it figured out. You may have a sword, a spear, all these things, but I will do exactly to you what you thought you were going to do to me. At the end of this day, I'm going to cut off your head. I'm going to give your body and the whole Philistine army to the birds and to the fowl and the animals. I am going to win this battle. You will die. And what David did was he spoke in faith. He used faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 2 Corinthians 5.7 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. So many times we try to walk by faith, by what we can see and what we can do on our own, on our own accord, but we need to walk by faith. David made a statement that stretched his faith. He made a statement that put his faith to the test. It may have seemed like a crazy statement to make, but he told a seemingly undefeatable giant that you are going to die. You're standing there before me, but hey, you will die today. For those who live by sight, this statement is a death wish. This is a death sentence immediately, but for those who live by faith, it's something totally opposite. It's the tipping point of the battle. And too often we think that what we're up against is too hard. We can't do it on our own and we write it off saying this is just impossible. But instead of telling the giant that it will die, we say, okay, you can have part of my life. You can rule over me. You can do whatever you want. But for too long, we've thrown in the towel. We've given up. For too long, we've just accepted defeat. But we have to stand up and say, giant. You will die. You have to get angry and say, no longer are you going to have rule over my life, but you will die. Amen? We need to speak to our giants and say that it will die. Whatever you're facing in these altars tonight, it will die. It can die. If you have that faith, if you stretch yourself, giants can die. 
Declaring the death of a giant isn't for the lighthearted. This pronouncement takes serious faith. It's one thing to say that God's fighting for me, but it's a whole, it's another different level of faith to say that the giant is actually going to die. It's one thing to say, hey, God, you're for me. Yes, I love you. But stepping out there on that limb and saying, you are going to die. This day you will die. And when you speak in faith, you're making a commitment to surrender yourself to the power of God. Saying, Lord, I know I have these things in my life. I face these struggles. But, God, I can't do this on my own. I surrender it to you. I can't. These challenges that I face, I give it to you, God. And, Lord, I give it to you, and you will fight this battle for me. So imagine David running up to Goliath and saying, saying the opposite of that, saying, um, excuse me, giant, I'm sorry, but I think you're supposed to die today. I don't personally think you will, but just in case you do, I want to give you a heads up. No, David ran right up to Goliath and he said, my God is fighting for me. You will die. David had extreme faith. And when you speak out against your giant with a godly confidence, with a godly boldness, you can know that God will pull through. God will be on your side every single time because he's a faithful God. He loves you and he cares you. He sees you in the valley, wherever you're at. He will fight for you. So in speaking to giants, we must declare who's fighting for us. We must tell the giant that it will die. And lastly, we must proclaim that the whole world will know about its death. In 1 Samuel 17, 46 and 47, David makes a final battle-changing statement. In the last part of verse 46, after he says that it will die, he says, And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 47, Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save by the sword of the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. David proclaimed that when the giant died, everyone will know who deserves all the glory and who deserves the honor. Only God alone. And I remind you that when you face your giant, do not forget to give glory to God. When God moves on your behalf, don't forget to give him the honor because he will follow through. He'll help you defeat the giant and go through. Amen. I want to remind you that David was saying all of this before a real, actual giant standing who was very much alive and well standing there before him. And at this point in the service, there may be giants that are very much alive and well in your life, but not after very much longer. I want to tell you that those things can fall, those giants can crumble in your life. But with boldness and in faith, we must proclaim that by the death of the giant, the name of the Lord will be glorified. When we come to these altars in just a moment, say, God, I give you glory for this. It hasn't happened yet, but I give you honor. And when you do, things will begin to fall down. When you begin to march around that situation, the walls will crumble and God will move on your behalf. When you do, when you step and when you proclaim that God is going to get all the glory and that he will get all the praise, it will shock you with what happens after your giant dies. You'll walk into the doors of your college or the doors of your workplace and everyone will know that there's something different about you. They'll walk in there and there'll be just this godly pride. There won't be the shame or the bondage or whatever it may be. Your head will be lifted up. You'll have this thing of freedom about you. And they will ask, hey, something's different about you. I don't know what it is, but something's different about you today. Yesterday you came in kind of 
you know, slouching down and defeated, but what's different? I can't quite put my finger on it, but something's changed. What's going on? Tell me about this. And you'll tell them a time of the, when you spoke to a giant, when you got the boldness to speak to the giant that you faced in your life. You'll go on to say that you were once ruled by the enemy and there seemed to be no way out. Then you'll tell them a time of where you met God at an altar of surrender, an altar of repentance. And at that altar, God strengthened you, that he gave you the courage and the boldness to face the things that you have in your life. And at the altar, he gave you that confidence and the boldness to speak to your giant. And after you share the story, it will open up the door for God's name to be glorified. Wow, that's amazing. Tell me more about God. I don't really know him like that. How can he do that in my life? And you'll share them about the gospel and how he can change their life. And when you proclaim the death of your giant, your peers and your coworkers will be one to God. This church will see greater revival than it's already done because this city, this world will know that there is a God who saves and that same God kills giants. Amen? Amen. Let's thank him for what he is going to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. Right now, we give you glory and honor in advance, God, for the things that are going to take place tonight. In just a moment, Lord, giants will fall. Giants will come crumbling down, Lord. And we give you honor and praise for it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in this place tonight. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name, the music can make their way to the stage. I want to tell you what takes place after this all happens, after you speak to your giants. After David declared who was fighting for him and pronounced the death of his giant and proclaimed that the world will know of its death, the Bible says that Goliath and David ran and met each other at the battlefield. And David grabbed the stone and got it in a sling before the giant could do anything. He struck the giant in the forehead and he fell face first right on the ground. Immediately David ran over there and grabbed Goliath's sword, must be a giant sword, and picked it up and cut Goliath's head off. And when the rest of the army saw what had taken place, that their undefeatable giant was actually defeated, the whole army ran for the hill and Israel chased them and they won the battle that day. What an amazing story. In the Bible, what an amazing story of God moving on our behalf when we speak to the giants. But this could be your story tonight. This could be your victory. You could have the same victory tonight. It's God's will that you leave this place giant-free. Whatever you drove into the parking lot with, whatever you walked through the doors with and sat in these seats tonight with, whatever thing that lurks over your life, whatever giant that may be, It can fall. It can be defeated tonight. At these altars, giants will die. The battle of David and Goliath had gone down in the history of the Bible as one of the most epic battles to ever be fought in Israel's history. And it all started with a young shepherd boy by the name of David who had the boldness to speak to a giant. Tonight you may be facing some serious things. Maybe nobody understands what you're going through. Nobody can understand your trials or your situations that you may have. But God does. He sees you exactly where you're at. You may be trying to be shielding that from whoever it may be in your life. But the Lord knows what you're going through. He wants to help you. But he's waiting on you to speak out and say, God, I'm stepping out on a limb. I can't do this on my own. 
but I need you and I'm going to speak to this giant in my life. And Lord, I'm going to trust that you have my back, that whatever I face, Lord, that you're going to follow through. And just like David, with God on our side, we can do to the devil what he had planned to do to us. Your giant is God's opportunity to show himself strong on your behalf. Your giant is God's opportunity to get all the glory and all the honor. If you will step out and say, God, I give it to you, his glory will be manifested. His glory will be in this place and your life will be blessed. When you take a stand, he will stand with you. When you speak to your giant, he will back up your words. He will follow through 100%. If we could all stand at this time. It was already said once, but at these altars, giants will die. My question is, will it be yours? Will it be yours? Well, not the person next to you or the person across the church, but will it be your giant? Will you step out in faith tonight? Will you face that one thing that you have been avoiding, the thing that you've been kind of sidestepping so that you can just kind of go along in your life and not address the issue that you have? But will you act in faith or will you remain silent? You may sit there, you may come to the altar, but not really respond. But when you do that, you allow the stronghold to continue to take hold in your life defile you and defile your God. If it's appropriate, I want to ask if you will connect to the person next to you. And as a body of Christ, we're going to do what David did in the middle of the valley. And we're going to speak to our giants. And as you pray, declare who is fighting for you. Tell the giant that it will die and the Lord will receive all the glory. And proclaim, God, you will receive all the glory. Let's pray together right now. Lord, I love you. I thank you so much, God, for being a God who cares for me, who knows what I'm going through. But Lord, right now, God, you are fighting for me. I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been trying to fight on my own accord, Lord, but no longer can I do this. I'm saying to this giant right now with my neighbor, with my brother, with my sister, Lord, that you are fighting for me. God, I can't do this on my own, but I need you. And Lord, God, this giant will die. I agree with the person next to me. I agree with the person across the building that giants will die tonight. God, trials, situations, challenges will fall tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you will, let's just begin to glorify the Lord. Lord, and we proclaim that the whole world will know about it. My peers, my co-workers, God, everyone who surrounds my life will know about the victory in the valley. Lord, I need you tonight. I thank you, God, for what you're doing right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. God, forgive us for our doubt. Forgive us, Lord, for ever questioning your strength and the weapons that you work with. God, you're almighty. There's no one like you. God, we give you all glory and all honor. In the name of Jesus Christ.